0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on SelfDiscoveryMedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guests are Michael Wilson and Michael Merrill. We're going to be in for a roller coaster of laughs today, but we're going to be also talking about a very serious subject. It's about um, hmm, mindfulness. You know, that thing that is about, you know, being mindful in your own mind and and how to actually, uh, well, think before you act before you go out and say something before you go and do something you shouldn't do it's all about that so it's about really kind of thinking feeling understanding and they've been doing this for a long time uh they have their own podcasts, which i did listen to learned a lot from agreed to a great deal of what they're, they're saying and uh we're we really are going to have a really good show here for you we have a great deal of laughter they've known each other for 36 years um I kind of look at them as tweedledum and tweedledee <laughs> because they are complementary to each other. Dr. Mike Merrill has been a pastor of a local church in one of his towns for 40 years. He's graduated magnum cum laude as a bachelor in arts in religion and philosophy and a minor in uh, psychology. And he's also a master of divinity and degree in Asbury Theology Seminary with academic honors. That was a long sentence. And, uh, Michael and Wilson, way too much. <laughs> Ha <laughs> Michael Wilson is a social scientist what is that and working professionally in education for almost 20 years along with 25 years in professional religious work in both areas he is actively training speaking counseling crisis counselor leader leadership department he traveled around to places including the world including Israel Haiti central Mexico and as a father of five grown children and I have just learned that he's also a a grandfather of 13 children no I
1: I'm the grandfather of 13. 13 He's the grandfather (laughs) of two.
0: (laughs) Two. I I feel (laughs) left behind. I'm only a grandma of one.
1: No, you're not left behind. Uh, One is great. There you go.
0: (laughs) One is great. I'm truly enjoying it. Absolutely. Welcome to the show, guys. (sighs)
1: Thank Thank you so much, Sarah.
0: All right. Let's try and start off with some some nice seriousness because I know it's not going to stay that way. Serious. Mindfulness, okay. we hear a great deal about that, being mindful before you speak, Mindful before you act, Mindful before you even act within yourself. Uh, it is not something that people practice a great deal. They are reactors to a situation um and the words that we say to ourselves and the words we say to others is a reflection of very much what's going on in the mind and very often a disconnect to the heart soul and spirit so let us go around the board and and understand your mindfulness understanding here i'm going to start off with you michael wilson
2: oh i get to start off today how exciting <laughs> well it's um that is a, that's, a, that's a fascinating question to begin, the, you know, trying to jump off the cliff real quick into the deep end, because that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that what we spend a lot of time doing in our world with Mike and I spend is uh, we, we have a book called Why Do People Act That Way? And the whole aspect of, of what we're trying to do is to help people understand their reality. Mm-hmm. and and so in order for you to be as someone who's mindful that really thinks about what you are responding to and how you're responding is <laughs> there's a sense of which people do not really understand their reality which has a, a significant amount to do with what we talk about which is understanding their emotions what are those emotions understanding what their perceptions are how do you perceive the world uh How do your motivations impact your perceptions and your emotions? What drives your behaviors within those three of your perceptions, emotions, and and motivations? And what is the outcome of that? But the drivers of those things. What we endeavor to do, and one of the things we have found, is that... uh, People have they they can say, oh, I have a specific kind of emotion. I'm angry, or I'm frustrated, or I'm really sad. But they really have no concept of how that fits into their lives and makes makes their life uh, function at at that level of reality. So you say, well, people are mindfulness. They're not being you know people speak before they think. They They do before they think they it's like, well, much of that is because they have never understood what's going on inside of them and what they've been told and what they've learned is things like, well, anger is bad. If you're ever angry, you're it's bad. And so you shouldn't get ever get angry. Well, we're going, wait a minute. No, Anger is an emotion, Mm -hmm. and we contend that every emotion in and of itself is neutral. But it's the reality of what do you do with that anger? But anger as of itself, anger can be really a good thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, believe it or not. Just like in fear, well, you should never be afraid. Well, no, Um, you're in B.C. I live in Washington you're on a trail and you run into a mama bear with some cubs out here. We go hiking a lot. And if you don't have a great, healthy sense of fear, um, you're going to be in real big trouble because if you just think, well, fear is bad. I can't be afraid. I'm like, get out of there. You know, you should be afraid. That's a very good thing. So in a very small context, when you talk about mindfulness, that's that's such a big topic. But the really core of when we start talking about what that looks like is that we back up and go, wait a minute, let's think about what is underlying all of that that drives what's going on in your life of you being mindful or not being mindful. So, it's a pretty complex issue. Without just, I mean, I I am not I just. I would not simplify that in the sense of saying, okay, well, here's the two steps to be mindful. It doesn't work like that. Well, and, that's the mindfulness
0: itself, is understanding exactly the two steps. Yeah, that,
2: <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's what the world keeps telling us. Well, if you just do <coughs> this, this and this, everything's fine. And we're going, uh, ah, it doesn't work like that. And you know, so mindfulness is is uh, that's that's an interesting thing to start start off with today and thinking through that i don't know michael go are you awake
1: i am mindfulness.
0: Deep of mindfulness you just yeah, agree
1: my- with everything i said right and so it's okay we're good but that's my job <laughs> to I'm agree with me? you no to disagree <laughs> with everything you say and to correct it somehow but i'm being very mindful right now <laughs> of keeping my mouth shut so that your expertise is available to those who are listening.
2: I, I just got nauseated. Did I just say I really nothing did. using many words?
1: You, you did. That's absolutely nothing. nothing. I, I think one of the things that we do, and, and I'll say this from the point of view of a male who's a fix-it kind of person, is that in experiencing life, it becomes very helpful to have a good toolbox. And not only to have the tools, but to be able to know how to use them properly. So what Mike and I do is we bring concepts and language and and skills and some practice in our training that we do. We do consultations, we do wide scale training uh, of many different settings. And what we bring in sometimes is practice experiences that are artificial, but allows a person to take an idea, get some language around that idea, look at some strategies to use that idea and then practice doing it. And the the challenge that we find often is that a lack of mindfulness is not that people haven't thought before they acted. It's impossible to act without thinking. You you do, you have motivations, you have habits, you have style, you have culture, you have a way of doing who you are in life. So it takes thought for that to happen. But the, the challenge is in any given moment Factors are truly unique and novel. They're different than they were before. Even though you're talking to your same spouse, your same child, your same neighbor, your same boss, your same colleague in an organization, some similarities exist, but this moment has never been here before. So if instead of falling into uh, a predetermined (coughs) habit or simply deja vu, what you've already done, you're doing again. Mindfulness is to be truly present and alert in this moment and say, instead of acting or reacting, I am going to respond and prepare. And that takes language. Mm -hmm. The ability to say in your own mind, what am I doing right now? What is about to come out of my mouth? That takes language to think that and the skill. And sometimes as odd as it sounds, the permission of an expert like me or Mike or yourself to say, I'm gonna give you permission to try that. And you really can't fail because it's just practice. Mm -hmm. We're going to give it a shot right now. And, uh, And are you willing to try? And when when you reduce the pressure down to I have permission from somebody to try something new, something simpler, something that involves more parts. How about that? I can learn. So that's really what we do.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, I have come face to face with a a, a bear, um, (laughs) my dog, and uh, uh, I just had a conversation with it very calm yeah this is your forest thank you for letting us be in it and uh, the there wasn't any fear because there was respect of understanding that it could hurt me but i didn't invite it vibrationally so as i wasn't a threat to it it wasn't a threat to me and that's way i kind of conduct my life um i'm very much about feeling your thoughts so i'm a kinesthetic person Mm -hmm. and i do believe that in order to understand your thoughts you have to ignite your soul listen to that wisdom that resonates with the heart that goes to spirit interaction so the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it and i think if you can feel your thoughts in other words it goes through the process of everything else to actually understand what it is you're thinking and how to react to it instead of just thinking Without all the others being a part of the equation. I think we can get ourselves into less trouble and have more empathy and understanding of whatever we're in and that participation that we ask people to be about not reactionary but participatory in uh, in that conversation.
1: Sure. Um,
0: so what do you feel about the feeling of our minds rather than just thinking of our minds.
1: On the cover of our book that we designed, I designed an image that is kind of like a Venn diagram where four different color heads, human heads, facing the same Mm -hmm. direction clockwise um, are, are laid over each other at part. Part is its own area and then part is overlapped. As we drew the picture, we created overlaps between any two, any three, and all four. The four overlapped created what we call the cinnamon diamond. It's a little brown area in the middle of the four heads where the four colors of yellow, red, blue, and green actually interact. And what we found is that to, to develop a sense of reality, and my part in that reality, as I understand it, is going to be the overlap, the interaction between my perceptions, mm-hmm. my emotions, my motivations, and my behaviors. And each one affects the others dynamically. So if we can begin to at least have awareness and then language about that awareness and the skills to use that language Number one, it slows time down significantly, Mm -hmm. and the speed of reaction is not automatic. That becomes extremely helpful Mm -hmm. in understanding reality differently.
0: You know, you talk about in the in the thing perception um i'm a true colors coach as well the four key personality traits and we all have a personality trait that's stronger than some of the others so as you're saying the layering of those personality traits that perception and if we could actually understand how somebody else is perceiving something then we actually actually uh, know how to actually speak to them in that perception instead of demanding that they understand it from us
1: Correct. Right. That's extremely helpful. One of the things that we, we ask two questions repeatedly. These are what we call essential questions. They're at the essence. When an event occurs, does not matter what the event is, but when an event occurs in a person's life, the first question is what is this doing to me? How am I interacting, reacting, uh, seizing, falling away from, how am I, what is this doing to me? And the second vital question is, what do I do with it? Mm -hmm. How does it proceed back out from me into my interactive world? And so in every situation, in business, in education, in families, in churches and synagogues and and, uh, social organizations and online, in every kind of situation, the events that occur in our lives Bring them to these two questions. What's it doing to me? What do I do with it?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One of the things that's fascinating about all of this, I think, is that in, in regards to what Mike is talking about, when we talk about being mindful, we talk about our emotions, we talk about our feelings. What we have found in so many of of these kinds of situations of working with people, training those regardless of what it is, and this sounds uh, probably a little bit, um, should I say trite, but it's not trite at all. And that is the ability to be able to listen, not in a a sense that sets aside your your agenda Mm -hmm. in a very large way. And I would say that, to be blunt, uh, the people who have the most difficult time with doing that tend to be people who are professionals or experts or whatever, because they have spent all this time, energy, and effort to develop a system or develop whatever there is going on. And then when they interact with people, they're not really listening. They're not hearing what is going on because they're processing it through this grid that they're coming up with an agenda Mm -hmm. of how they're going to work through all this. And in many respects, that aspect, we train on how to do that very thing. And we, we find that people have a difficult time. If you say, okay, how can I be mindful of someone? Uh, in our country right now, we're having mm-hmm. um, significant, uh, it's so fascinating, as this, this morning I was reading, finally, in my mind, finally, some people who have incredible stature have been quiet for a, several years, a number of years, are finally standing up and saying, it's time. We have to move beyond the yelling at each other. Yes. We have to get beyond uh, protecting my little world and protecting my agenda. We have to begin to break down and to get that point. And what we would say is where you're starting to listen, being accountable to realize that you are causing some of this issue. And are you really listening to what's going on? Are you really listening to the person that you have this seemingly very um, adverse response to? But if we are always building our own agendas while we're trying to interact, we can really never answer those two questions mm-hmm. because we'll never really understand what it is doing to me and what I really can do about it because I'm not owning my part to where I can actually understand. So I think when we talk about that aspect of being mindful, that is not an easy thing. Uh, skill that just readily happens you have to really practice and work at that and we do a significant amount of that with people and really challenge people at that level to do that and and it actually you know it gets a lot of fun but it's very interesting how difficult that is for many people to set them aside just think about family gatherings Mm -hmm. and how that works Mm -hmm. I mean when you have a celebration and everybody shows up and How is that interaction going? Is anybody really listening to anybody else? Or we just have our flagpole, stuck it in the ground, and it's like, okay, sure, go ahead and see if you can take my flagpole. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you're you're never going to have the the kind of dialogue and conversation that you want or need, if you will, sorry, Mike, to be able to transition past some of those things.
0: It's sort of like a, salesperson, and if you think it, we're all salespeople in one thing or the other, right, is um, I don't know how many times I've been pitched something and they, they're they off on the whole tantrum, but they have never once asked me a question, if this could fit into my life. And if you really want to be a good salesperson, ask the questions to see if what you're selling is even something that would be remotely what this person needs Mm -hmm. and you know the sales is about the deal the art of the deal we've got to close it you know and we've got to impose it on other people instead of listening to even of what we are selling is even something that they need or want and and There is an art in that, isn't there, of listening to understand rather than imposing what you think everybody else should have. And you talk about family gatherings. There are always the people there that are going to tell you what you should have. And instead of seeing you for who you are or asking what you need, it is everything you're doing wrong and what you should be doing.
1: Mike apologized. Mike apologized a few moments ago to me over a inside joke.
0: I thought it was (laughs) an inside joke.
1: No, it was, and you, you, uh, without uh, being cued in to what we're talking about, it it passes as that was an odd thing to do right then. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, Quite a number of years ago, quite a number of years ago, uh, with my children when they were young, I developed a campaign to eliminate need, should, ought, and must from mm-hmm. our vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So in my family, it became uh, a, a function of our family culture not to use the word need, should, ought, or must, or have to, gotta, it's a requirement, that kind of thing.
0: Right. Uh,
1: if you listen to politicians, preachers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. school teachers, the number one verb in almost every sentence is some form of need should ought or must those words are words of obligation of expectation of demand and the response is either obedience or guilt yes one of the two (coughs) very true And so the challenge then is how can one form a thought or communicate a concept without putting it into need, should, ought, or must as the communication. And for me, it will be, what can I do? Mm -hmm. What will I do? What do I give myself permission to try? How do I begin to act even if I'm not refined or skilled at it, what can I do? And and the challenge is to break one's thinking from the obligation words of need, should, ought, and must, or any of the related uh, uh, various verbs that we use, and develop a way of thinking that is entirely different than issuing demands or issuing guilt and shame for having failed at those demands mm. and so you'll with with the <clears> events that are happening not only in the united states but they're really really everywhere uh there are serious situations that have to do with healthcare and how we treat each other in community there are serious issues about racial inequalities uh and violence within communities and from law enforcement towards those communities There are all kinds of challenges that we face regarding economic disparity. And if one says, we need to treat each other better, great. Uh, What does that mean? Well, we just need to. Come on folks, we need to do this. We really should. We ought to be better than this kind of activity. All right, I agree. I agree. 100%. There we go. What do we do to fulfill that need? There's no suggestion. Yeah. There's no suggestion. So the challenge then is we have made a statement with force that appears to actually set an agenda, but it's an agenda that cannot be activated because there's no direction. There's no steps. How do you begin... Changing the culture of uh, COVID pandemic. How do you change the realities of economic disparity that go back 500 years?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, then people throw their hands up and say, you know, we just need to do it. And the, And so then we're at impasse. yeah. So in saying to my own thinking, I will not use need, should, ought, or must. And it's not that I need to stop saying need because I'm right back in the same (laughs) hole. It is I will not say need. What else can I say that captures not only the concept of the objective and the steps to get there, but the first step that I can take to begin the process? And if I can bring my, not only my thinking, but my conversation to that level, we find that conversations between people, within people and between people is dramatically changed.
0: And especially when
1: when we're given permission, mm. which we ask for, can I gently remind you, or can I nail you forcefully <laughs> when you say need should or must? And I've had we've been in groups, faculty and student groups uh, at whole college campuses or in business between the employer and the employee or between the uh, providers and the customers. Do I have your permission to nail you on that or at least gently say? And and the response is, let me think about that, because I'm not really sure I want you coming down on me as the bad guy here. It's Not a bad guy. It's not a bad guy. When my children were learning curse words, I never washed their mouth out with soap. I would say, can you think of a better word yeah. than that? Say it over and over 20 times, 50 times, 80 times. You said nothing at all. It doesn't make you a grown up. That's not, it's a word that means nothing. So you're filling in what you could have said with power. You filled it in with something that's empty. Mm-hmm. And my children, they they don't swear, they don't curse. It's like, how do I say this forcefully with meaning instead of just the F word or S word or whatever happens to be, It, it changes the dynamic of the conversation. If one takes need should ought or must out. And if I am given permission to say so at the moment in real time It changes the dynamics of the conversation. So Mike, I accept your apology. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Long way around to saying it. That's because you
1: always are doing this. And that's every another one. Time, every ever, time I meet ever, with you, you no, always do no. this. You always, never, ever, and never. Always, ever, never are lies. You never listen to It's me. not always, <laughs> ever. Sometimes, most of the time, frequently, I can get that. Right now, sure, go with that. But ever, <laughs> never, always, not true. <laughs> We have a bunch what? of these, Sarah, We have a whole bunch of these.
0: But it, it's the mindfulness of the words that we use. It is and very and you know, we, we have become so uh, you know, patterned in our dialogue and we've become so limited in the dialogue. And yes, instead absolutely. of actually understanding yeah. the, our other words. And, you know, sometimes if I haven't got a word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious will fit in for me because I don't have something else to say in there. And
1: my seven year old grandson just gave me a joke. He said, seven years old, Grandpa, do you know supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? I said, yes. He said, can you spell it? And I said, (laughs) S-U-P, he goes, nope, S-U-P, nope, I-T. Can you spell it? Oh! (laughs)
0: right because where are we at we're going into the <laughs> assumption of the word instead it right again preception. And he yes.
1: laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed oh can you spell it yeah oh my goodness anyway so this is not a comedy show folks this is very serious <laughs> stuff
0: no not at all a comedy show no not at all <laughs> but if we can't last at serious subjects we're going to be you know the white coats are going to come and take us away haha yeah that's true
1: because you know we yeah. can get
0: really entrenched in the the desire to have changes you know i was given a saying three and a half years ago as the universe is going to shake us up to wake us up for us to step up to change it up and uh, grow up and the grow up is a double entendre as a right. human being but also raise up our frequency uh, We we know change has to happen but it's the how it's the invitation and if you speak in an invitation you're opening up that dialogue of possibilities of of igniting the the creativity within it because there is always a solution to a problem when you invite minds to come together hearts and souls to come together to in permission to share what their perspective is on it because when we put all those perspectives on the table there's going to be something there that goes oh i like that one mm-hmm. let's go let's explore it let's see where it goes but i think in a lot of ways we've lost our exploratory nature we've lost That's the correct. the desire of language or the desire you where know, we become so reactionary to everything instead of um responsive and i mean responsive in a way of instead of reacting back with the slap in the face but coming back with a response of your understanding furthering the dialogue um being more invitational Mm -hmm. um, taking a breath you know it's listening taking a breath before um before speaking i think is really really important and i just do wish that people would be more open into um exploring what is possible rather than just kind of well it is what it is And it is what it is because we become complacent, because we were unwilling to explore what can be done about it, what we can each and an individual do. We're waiting all the time, finger pointing, government can do it, religious things can do it, you know, education can do it. There's three pointing back at us and saying, what are you doing about it? Because it takes each and every one of us to step up to create the change.
1: Well, one of the challenges is that people will say, there's nothing I can do about it. Ever, never, always language <laughs> includes nothing. Mm-hmm. Ever, never, always say, says to the extreme, all the anecdotes that are in any uh, aspect, not the extreme are eliminated. So now we have all, none, never, always those kind. And that's And it eliminates the reality of the middle. The the re the option is one of the, my favorite phrases of life, is I can't do everything, but I can do something. Yeah. So do I'm something. going to do that. So yes. I'm going to do that. Yeah. And on all these world stages, there's there is the 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 nature of the problem can become so overwhelming as to simply stop forward movement entirely i cannot push a boulder that size out of its place but i can chip away at it until it's smaller so i'll do that the reality is you can invite other people to join you where you collectively can do right correct
0: we don't have to be the the saviors of everything right the whole idea is that this is my instrument that's your instrument Mm -hmm. how do we come together how do we come together to, to create this change? Come I on, you've been far too quiet up there, Michael. Come on.
2: Oh no, I'm just listening. I and it's it's the the significance of I think people in our day and age are so overwhelmed because they're so inundated with information oh. on a consistent oh. basis. And they have we have allowed ourselves to do that. Um, where people are spending and, you know, as a sociologist, I'm doing a lot of reading recently. uh, Well, not a lot. I've been doing some reading recently about the dynamics of happening with isolation, particularly in the area of young men and why, uh, why young men are becoming so disconnected. And so much of it is the fact that not only they, but as cultures, we have allowed ourselves to be <clears throat> pulled into uh, this information that just continually pours over us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're encouraged to do that. We're, I mean, we're we're pushed to do that. And it's like, well, at what point, if you want to do, If you're going to spend any time doing critical thinking, that takes some time outside of input into you all literally for 14 hours a day Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
2: that is coming in. And you are always checking. You're always looking. You have it in your hand. It's the response that's always coming there. And I, you know, I'm sure people are listening to this and thinking, you know, oh, yeah, that sounds nice. That would be really good to do. I, I wish I had better words to use, and I could figure out how to do that. But first off, I'm not sure I know how. And second, oh wait a minute, I just got three texts. Oh wait a minute, I just got, I got three Instagrams. Oh wait, a I just got 27 Twitters. Oh wait a minute, Waste Wastebook just gave me tweets. You know, they're 14, not
1: Twitters. 14 <laughs> Twitters. 14 can't you get with the 21st century see we also use shaming tweet, tweet, tweet. no 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 we use shaming as well <laughs> yes. and and the idea of having something happening which another person is not on my wavelength i can use shame and embarrassment yeah. mm-hmm. to try and compel exactly what mike is talking about right and of course social media it, is a platform for that isn't it Well,
2: absolutely right. and you can tell it really affects me when people say stuff like that to me so <laughs>
1: The shame that's all was over your face. Option: yeah. We're practice This is a skit, Mike. Oh, I forgot. Okay, <laughs> and so like people the... who are watching and say, Oh, I could do that.
2: <laughs> it's like the stone tablets I keep sending to you guys that have all my ideas on it, and yes. The postage is expensive. Though, yeah,
0: it <laughs> will be. The amount of time it takes to carve those things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you have a point there, though. It is, um, I, I, did, I do my own show every week as well, and, and I did one on discernment the other day, of discernment of the knowledge, discernment of what keeps coming at us. It's like, is, does this relate to me? Do I need to know this? Is this going to advance me? uh am i going to be able to use this information productively or is it going to slow me down and it's like discerning the amount that you take in and you know being able to say no stop i'm time out for me five o'clock computers down i'm finished my work day however much work i still have to do i have to put a limit on it and i check My email, that's when I have kind of the text conversations with my kids because they don't know how to phone. And that's that (laughs) generation, right? So other than that, check the emails to make sure there's no cancellations for the next day. And uh, that's it, I'm off off that media. You have to put your own boundaries there somewhere. You have to be discerning of, of how much time you're giving something. People have talked about for years about robotics taking over. Excuse me, folks, they already have. Yeah. your cell phone has made you a slave so who's in control here
1: I think one
2: of the thing I think one of the things that's been interesting <laughs> in some of the material I've been reading a dynamic and uh, I'm trying to remember where I read this it was about a month ago but but the dynamic we we talk about in I mean, coming back to our book and talking about perceptions we believe there are 10 perceptions and one of those perceptions we believe that's a very real one is imagination Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and imagination drives so many other aspects of our process thought process creativity is another one Mm -hmm. the problem we we've run into that we have become so uh, ingrained to and we don't even realize uh, what it has done to us. And I'm not, I am not an anti-media guy. I'm not one of these people that doesn't own, you know, I mean, I used to teach tech when I was in school. i mean, as an educator one of these people
0: that
2: knows the difference thing. between Twitter and tweets. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know the difference. I just, you know, just giving them a bad time. It's the 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 thing that's interesting though we have found and research has found since the advent really of television we have lost our ability in critical thinking in the area particularly with imagination Mm -hmm. because we no longer have to use that part of our brain we see it so if you say well that's not true let me give you something to try that's really fascinating. Next time you're in, oh, I don't know. I mean, churches use these a lot. I used to see this in school all the time when I would do, when we would be in massive assemblies with a thousand kids, high school kids. What would be fascinating to me is there'd be somebody up front, uh, in high school with all these high school teenagers, They would be incredibly gifted, incredibly charismatic. Students were having an awesome time. They were laughing, it was carrying on, there was all this kinds of stuff going on. And and there was surface noise, if you would, audience surface noise, which is normal, a certain level. The moment the lights went off, Mm -hmm. the video came up, every kid was glued to that screen. And they were quiet. Mm-hmm. And when I when I first started observing that, and I observe this all the time, I, I just I'm just kind of that's the way I am. I just go. It's really fascinating as I'm watching people watching and saying, "All right, at what level of your imagination is now just turned off? Mm-hmm. Because you're being given you're being given the imagination instead of." When you say there were terrors in the night, when you read that on the page on the page, that gives your your mind the ability to come up with the terrors of the night might look like. And what is that terror in the night? And now your thought processes are are ignited and your brain is is engaged and it's functioning versus looking at the screen and seeing somebody else's idea of terrors in the night. Mm -hmm. and now you're taking their their imagination and using it as yours, Mm. but you don't have to do any work. You don't have to do any thinking. You can just let it wash over you. So what's fascinating to me when I talk about social media and how that envelops us, so much of social media is visual. It's auditory and visual at the same time, which people then... They because there's so much of it, you know. I have people tell me all the time, you know, I'm just numb. I'm yes, just numb. overload. And yeah. I go, well, how much time do you spend? And I go, well, then they tell me, and I go, okay. You want? Know Why don't you try this?
1: Mm-hmm. Why don't you just <laughs> turn it off for a half hour? Start it's, there. It's FOMO. FOMO. F O M O fear of missing out yes exactly and the idea exactly of my friends are going to be there's going to be some likes on something there's a new a, 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 people have a fear of missing out which is part of that shame and guilt mm-hmm. for not attending to what, what someone right. else says you need should right. ought and must do right
0: and right. people have become and sheeple because of it
1: but the and systems have along. But, but the
2: systems understand that And, and they have designed the systems, not that I'm saying they're evil, but they have designed to build on that continually on, on, uh, you know, the, the whole platform of what they were built on in the beginning was we need to figure out a way to get people to want to come back. Mm -hmm. They need to come back. They need to come back. So let's figure out a way that we can do that. Well, if you say to anyone, virtually, except for Mike, because he doesn't know but if you say this to anyone, what it, what's a like on, in social media? Go, oh, well, that's a thumbs up. That's somebody likes what I'm doing. That was genius. Mm-hmm. Because what that did is it, it gave that dynamic that said, oh, wow, they like me. So I'm going to do more. And I'm going to do more. And it kept bringing people back. And and now it's just that standard. In fact, (laughs) in our business, in our world, we are told very much. So you have to get a certain number of likes. Yes. So otherwise you're valid. Yes. Yeah, You don't count if you don't get enough
0: likes.
1: And one of the things that's absolutely fascinating is that you will see people on the various social platforms saying, why don't they have a thumbs down? Mm-hmm. Why don't yes. they have a negative review? And the reason for that is no. negative reviews do not engender the endorphins and, and positive mental process that exactly. a thumbs up does. Exactly. And, exactly. So, and so, so, the validation, and, isn't it? The validation. Mm-hmm. So children who are punished by their parents will not, as adults, will not remember that as much As when their parents said, Good job, I'm proud of you. That sticks in their mind, creating positive that is uh, a naturally occurring drug that is addictive. And that's why Facebook yeah. and these other social yes. media created positive reinforcement exactly. that exactly. becomes yeah. truly addictive. It, yeah, is it, truly is. addictive. It,
0: is. it is an addiction. You know, um, you started your own podcast, your twenty one shows in there and I've listened to one of them and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, people say to me, why do you do podcasts? I've been doing it nine years now, eight years with my own network. Um, and I've done over two thousand of them now. Uh, how many people listening to your podcast? And I said, all those that are ready to hear. And it could be one person. It could be a thousand people. It's not for me to, to, un, to know that. Uh, it is for me to put that information out in my orchard of wisdom, ready for clicking. And the right. people who are ready for that information and are intrigued to know more would click on it and listen and learn. But, oh, you've got to have 5,000 followers. What does that mean? That's 5,000 people. You think 5,000 people are going to listen to that one show? Again, it goes back to the discernment. It goes back to the sales mission. Oh, this topic is interesting. I'd like to listen to that. Right. You know, uh, listening to TED Talks rather than watching a video. Um, I used to, for the first five years, only do audio. And then I was persuaded to doing video. My first reaction was who wants to see an old broad like me? doing video because the image on Fox news was blonde and ditzy. And I wasn't that, I didn't fit into that. And then my back of my mind, it said to me, but it's not about the way you look. It's about the content you put out. Right. And all those that are ready to receive will receive it. And so if we could get out of this idea that my validation is on how many followers or how many likes or how many people come back, it's out of my hands once I put it out there on all the social medias, on all the sharing, it's out of my hands as to what it does. If I get feedback that comes back, that's wonderful. Then you know you're on the right track. But the need to validate myself on somebody else's approval? No, no thank you. I don't need approval from anyone else. The only person that is to give me permission is myself. But social media doesn't do that.
1: Right. Right and that becomes part of the challenge of de-addicting ourselves is yeah. that a word de-addicting <laughs> to <no>. de-addict <laughs> to de-addict ourselves is an a, a intentional process of finding e- ourselves <laughs> of either finding an antidote to that which is so addicting or a means by which I can disengage or disconnect to myself. And when we teach behaviors, we teach behaviors on two pathways, either an engagement or a disengagement. Mm -hmm. Most of what we do in life is disengage. So if I have an idea to share, I will pick certain words to say it. But that also means that I've picked hundreds of words not to say. If I clean my room, that is an engagement, but I have to disengage hundreds of other things I could have done with that time. So engagement is one part of the process and disengagement is a much broader uh, aspect of dealing with something. The challenge in de-addicting ourselves has to do with that disengagement process. And, and that, that in itself can become massively overwhelming to try and do. So the people say, I just, I'm giving up. Yeah. I'm addicted to it and there's nothing that I can do about it or nothing that I want to do about it. And, and so it persists, it goes on. But finding that de-addicting process to put the phone down, to close the computer screen, to walk away, to go on a walk or join an actual ball club and get out and play uh, becomes an amazingly challenging in today's world.
0: Well, just as we have Alcoholics Anonymous, we need social media anonymous. Yeah,
1: that's true. You know, it's, uh, you know, right.
0: I, my name is and I'm addicted. You know, excuse me while that's I take right. this text. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's somewhere along the line, that self-awareness. Yes. Uh, where mm-hmm. is my time going? Where is my life going?
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, there's actually groups that uh, in, here in the States, there's actually groups that do that. It's mm-hmm. 12 step groups on how to get un- addicted to social media. And
1: de-addicted. that's the word I just made up. If I we're going to start I'm, a tradition, you have to use the right language. I was thinking I need on you really un- addicted should.
2: versus de-addicted. And I, I feel like I need to and I should and I ought, but not every gondictified like
0: quite honestly. Not,
2: <laughs> not everyone is using it and I always go with what everyone does. Meh. Oh, do you really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: but, but that is that is actually the trend, isn't it? We don't want to rock the boat. Wait, it's good enough for my mother and father. It's good enough for everyone else. Don't rock the boat, you know, just do the same as everyone else. But I'm not the same as everyone else. So why should I follow a path that some other people have taken when it's not my path? Identify your own path.
1: But that takes a certain amount of identity strength Mm -hmm. for a person to be able to say. My value comes from within myself. Rather than from the reaction or the responses or the kudos that I get from others, that that requires some measure of, of personal identity integrity. and, and, and the challenge and to is, get that. And it can be work. It is. Or sometimes the work is letting go yeah. of, of the feedback, the constant feedback that might happen in life. That, And if a child has grown up not having an internal locus of value, but only an external locus of value, the challenge then is as they move through adolescence and adult adulthood, how do they develop an internal locus of value when they've never seen that experience that? Mm-hmm. So the parent, that wants to create a disabled adult will say i will love you when you yeah. do the dishes clean your room i'm not loving you right now because you spoke meanly to me or you hit your brother and the and the difficulty is some children end up in rebellion but others say i will do what mommy or daddy wants because then they will love me yes and so I and that happens should, enough should, in childhood love
0: should never be the punishment Right, condition. and so you the, love, what, and you do the other separately.
1: Absolutely. So when when the when I was raising my children, Pam and I, my wife Pam, uh, we came up with a verbal definition of what we were doing as parents, and we've taught this to others. But for us, it was critically important because. I did not grow up in a family like this at all. Pam Pam's a farming family from a small town in Western New York. Her family did this, but they didn't have the words for it. Mm-hmm. My family never did. It was quite counter to that. And that is we are raising successful adults while they are children and teens in our home. Yep. Yep. The, the objective we have is not obedient children. We do right. not want respectful teenagers. We don't want academic successes we don't want shining stars of compliance we you want, don't want su- we want successful adults who look back on their childhood and adolescence in our home and say i am who i am now because of my family as opposed to in spite of it and so like, we've yeah. gone to parenting groups of young young parents and say let me propose uh, a job description for you. You are raising successful adults. Right now, the successful adult is four years old and has been entrusted to your care. That child will not clean his or her room. As an adult, what skill or outcome is going to be helpful to them to start learning right now? Compliance. Mm-hmm or natural consequences. Mm -hmm. And so now you say, okay, how do I teach natural consequences? Well, they have toys that get broken. Mm -hmm. They have clothes that remain dirty. Things that they're looking for, they can't find easily. Say, okay, say to them, this is a natural consequence of a room that's a disaster. If you like spending 25 minutes to find the shirt you need for sports, okay, I'm not gonna help you find it spend, dig through all the stuff on your floor until you find it, wash it in the sink, hang it up to that's, that's a natural consequence. And when a child does that, when we did that with our children, their sports uniforms went in the laundry. They learned how to do laundry when they were seven years, six, seven, eight years old, their own laundry with the machine, get it out of the washer into the dryer. They learned how to do that. They still as adults know how to take care of their clothes and their possessions. It's teaching and the them re- boundary,
0: you know, what their boundaries are, isn't it? It's like where the limits are. Yes. And, you know, you know, my kids tested those limits. And sure. I, I brought them All up human to say, exactly, you know, and I I brought them up to say, OK, you don't know how far you can go, but listen to that little voice. Yes. Listen to that feeling that says, ah, uh-uh, don't do that. And they're going to have to fall a few times before they register that that voice should have been listened to. And as parents, instead of, you know, I can reprimand the choice but that has got nothing to do with how much i love you never ever use love as a punishment ever and you know my kids i've got names on my hair from my kids you know they definitely put me through the ringer. um but at the same time who they are today because they they experimented with their boundaries they fell i loved and nurtured them Um, they understood the consequences Right. And they've no okay, if I do that action, that's what it's going to cost me. And if and they if, always understand what it's And if costing, they
1: are successful adults now, they're yes. still doing it.
0: I guess, so and when going a boss to, do it to the end of time, right? Right. When a yes.
1: boss comes in and starts creating an unhealthy environment to one of your daughters, mm-hmm. if your daughter at the age of forty one can say, Don't you dare do that, right. I realize the risk of standing up to you. Now you've created a successful adult. So At times, the one illustration you used is when you hear the voice, I'm gonna listen to that and not do something dangerous. Sometimes you say, I listen to the voice and I say, shut up. I'm doing it anyway, because there's a greater good on the other side through my- It's measuring up the risk. Right, and no. that becomes... Jumping out of the
0: plane without the parachute may sure. be the voice that you need to listen to, <laughs> right?
1: Sure, but that's but also how you invent those the boundaries squirrel sometimes. outfits yeah. that yeah. allow you to sail. I mean, the reality is it's not obedience or no. disobedience that is successful adult living. It's wisdom.
0: Yes, and that wisdom comes from life experience.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's uh,
0: the knowledge is something that you acquire, but the actual knowing how to use that knowledge comes from the wisdom.
1: Precisely. That's exactly. Right. That's actually what we teach mm-hmm. to sum up the entire last hour of conversation. <laughs> that is what Mike and I teach. Yep.
0: Yep. Your podcast, right? Um, you've got how many have you got there? You said 21? 21, on, 21 on right bell? now.
1: Yeah. It's right, called cause... gripping reality. And what we encourage and enable people to do is to grip their own reality, not just handle it, not just hold it, not merely embrace it. A grip on something, even if it's sharp, it's heavy, it's hot, it's, it's overwhelming. If you can grip your own reality, you own it. Mm-hmm. And now you can do something about it. So what we do is we teach in both model as well as instruction, how does one grip their own reality and be able to master it. That's what we're doing.
0: Right, and you're doing it with humor, which is important because humor, if you can't laugh at yourself and you can't laugh at life, you know, the white coats are gonna come and take you away.
1: That's true, and I laugh at Mike a lot, but both of our names are Mike, so it's kind of exactly. like laughing at ourselves. It's very easy to <laughs> do. Piddly, yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I'm yet trying to figure out which one is the dumb and which one is the <laughs> deep, So I, I'm not sure I want I'll to leave go that there. Up to you too. Well, that's very kind of you, but that's also <laughs> something that you know I don't think you want to leave that up to us because I know how that's going to work.
0: <laughs> you can fight over it later. Um, you know, podcasting. As I said, I've been doing it nine years now, and I consider it an honor because I get to meet people like you who are making a difference in the lives of others. And there's something so gratifying about sharing people's stories you know, the sharing of the strength and the courage and the abilities and the know how and it—it it is it, it, an inspiration that begets invitation with other people. Yeah. And and it's again, it's out there, but it's also ready like a meal. It's a feast that you've laid out, but people are going to partake when they're hungry sure. or when they're ready. And so it's not about, again, how many followers, although it's nice to have those followers there, but it's about taking the time to listen, but then turn around and have that dialogue with yourself you know what what is part of that podcast that conversation made me go mm-hmm, there's a point there or i need to think about this the word need i would like to think about this um and i can't can think I do about with this. this i can think about yeah. this what can i do with this because why do we do what we do we do it to share the wisdom that we've acquired through life's experience and knowledge to help other people navigate their own path with with tools they can put in their backpack. Yes. And that's all we can do, right? Yeah. And if you do it with the right conviction and the right passion and the right heart behind it, you're giving people that you know loving energy to go where they can go. We are absolutely awesome human beings, but we're flawsome. And if we can embrace the sure. flawsomeness and understand <laughs> that every single one of us has a crack somewhere. That's right. a dent somewhere. And that's okay. Yeah. That's what makes us unique. It's okay. That's correct. I've been considered wacky my entire life. And that's my signature. Sure. <laughs> it's I'm never gonna get out of that and own it. Own it. Yep.
1: Yep. Very true.
0: You've been awfully quiet there, Michael.
1: Um, well,
2: it's because I don't have a lot to say right at the moment. I'm just thinking, thinking through well, we're talking about i i think that you know the aspect of we do we do our podcast because what we endeavor to do is we want to challenge and we want to encourage mm-hmm. we want people to think differently in what we're trying to do is bring about that sense of again in our context of the cinnamon diamond is that we, we understand what happens when you don't grip your reality. Mm-hmm. We we have seen it in our own lives, but we have seen it in our practice of our professional lives so many times. And our, you know, our endeavor is to challenge and encourage people to push them forward. Yeah. And and not be be settled for where they are, not be settled for their status quo. Um, People say things like, it, 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 it actually is hilarious to me. People say, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. And I go, really? So what have you been learning? And it's crickets. It's like, well, okay, well, what does that mean? Um, you know, when Mike and I say that we probably are a little ridiculous in kind of what we do, because we're now we've just started a, a, (laughs) don't ask me, well, it's all his fault. I know why it's, I know why we're doing it. So we've just started another major project. Well, that's not true. We have (laughs)
1: <laughs> wait a minute we have two major you are confusing everyone listening including <laughs> me <laughs> and i think you're In blaming other words, me he's talked you into many yes, things you're, bla- you're blaming <laughs> me for something and i have no idea what it is <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about
2: you have just
1: ruined my life <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Or ignited it, one of the right? I mean, it's being busy is good.
1: <laughs> My point is this, I actually have a point, believe it or not. What is your point?
2: My point is that <laughs> when we push people to challenge and encourage them, we are about, we live this out. So this is not euphemistic. This is not hypothetical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, we are now in the middle of two major projects one that we're just about finishing, we pray. The other one one is we're just beginning to start the process, which is, it's probably going to be absolutely crazy. And then on top of that, I mean, I decided that I was going to go back to school. So I'm working on my master's and Mike is doing 27 other things. And So the point being is that when we talk about challenging and moving forward and being lifelong learners. I guess the bottom line is we're putting our money where our mouth is because to, to be frank about it, he and I both could just pretty well kick back and not do a whole lot besides go on
1: long walks. You're and... speaking purely in theory. I could not do that <laughs> no, at all. No. But in theory, two 60-something-year-old men yeah. who have retired could go golfing, get in our golf carts, drink a beer, and, oh. uh, and reminisce about the old days. Yeah, the yeah. The good old days. No, in, yes. theory, good old... In, in theory, in theory, we could <laughs> no, do that. That's not, not going to happen. Not in this no, club, right? No, no. no. It's a, it's I told my children. to get up,
0: every. Every day, you to got to have a purpose every day. I have
1: told my children and my grandchildren, on my day of death, I want them to teach me something that I never knew before that I might be able to use. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's a new word in a language or a skill that they learned in a sport. I want them to teach me something the day I die that I could use if I had another day. Right. That for me is being constantly curious. And, and the challenge that we have in much of life is is the sediment that life itself has weighed down so heavily, we've stopped being curious. Stop to living. me, that that is my objective. I, can, I can't say to anybody else, any of your reviewers, okay. what you need should, ought, or must do. What I'm saying is, being constantly curious about something, right. Right. anything, is going right. to keep you alive, vitally right. alive. Yeah. Right.
0: It, it's it's a meaningful purpose. You know, we want something that's going to get us up every day that we can look forward to doing. And you know, you can only right. do so much amount of fishing. Or rocking on the the chair on the porch. You and know, there's
1: people that like to fish, and they yeah. go every day. I have say they play the same golf course. I, I that doesn't bother me a bit. Right. I'm not going to do that. No.
0: I have a girlfriend right. who's retired, a school teacher. She's busy seven days a week with this and that and book club and everything else. You know, it's like uh, she's doing something with her life. And what we're really yes. saying is that don't get complacent. Don't come to a full stop. You haven't exited the world yet. And while you're still in this body, continue to live, continue to be curious. Wonderment is 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 a wonderful word. And if you're constantly living in wonderment, you're constantly willing to learn and explore and it's exploring yourself. I mean, I started doing this at 57, I'm 66. And it's like if you told me at 55, I'm going to be learning how to do all this editing and podcasting and interviewing people around the world, it would have (laughs) been not me right i somebody invited me to do it on another network and it was like well let's give it a try i don't know if i'm going to like it or if i can do it until i try and there's some things you know no no that doesn't interest me but this piqued my interest and here i am i'm loving what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and that's the point love what you're doing love life be a participant in your own life don't wait life to happen to you yeah Go out and get life, live life, embrace life, and be a contributor to life.
1: Absolutely. And love what you do. If you do don't what love you what love. you do,
0: don't do it. Do what you Because you ain't got to do it love well. What you do. Right. Yeah, exactly. How do people get hold of your book? How do they listen to the podcast? And how do they find each and one of you?
1: The book is available on Amazon in a print on demand, an ebook. book for a format and an audiobook, So you can find, just type in, uh, why do people act that way and what can I do about it? And you'll be able to find it. Uh, the, the, uh, podcast is called gripping reality, not ripping reality. We don't <laughs> rip on anything. We grip it. We get a, a right. very tight grip <laughs> gripping realities on YouTube on YouTube right now. And if you want to send an email, you can send it to Mike, at grippingreality.com and you can spell mike with a y for me or an i for mike wilson either one of us and the email will get to us and then we share everything so it does not matter whether you write to mike with a y mike with an i mike at Gripping Reality. and we're available for speaking for teaching training consulting
2: and we're we're available on on facebook and twitter and yeah we got all and, that too and linkedin
1: Right. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. We have all People, that. So. They know how to find us. Yeah, and they if they don't us, right? yeah, too bad. ask somebody else. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: kudos to what you're doing. Um, you know, the the book and the podcast, as I said, I did listen to one and I was very I enjoyed it very much. And and you know, you, you do things with purpose. You've you've got some real drive behind what you're doing and what you're trying to impart but at the same time you also do with a lot of humor and again if we can't inject humor into our life you know laughter is not only great medicine but it it is just it's a wonderful invitation it's very very inviting intoxicating and uh, so we've got to learn to laugh you know a lot more at life at ourselves add everything else because we you know there's things that you need to take seriously but if you don't laugh you're going to get bogged down with the seriousness and the
1: the ideas are the soil Mm. laughter is the fertilizer and you know where fertilizer comes from yes
0: (laughs) full of nutrients nutrients (laughs) that's what we call them yes exactly <laughs> um it's been wonderful having you guys on here and please Thank keep you, on keep on doing what <laughs> you're you, doing Sarah. um keep on laughing and you know are you also showing everybody young and old that it doesn't matter what the age is right if there's the meaningful right. purpose if there's something you've got to share if there's something that you that is a passion you can still do it The oldest person I've interviewed is 88 that has her own TV show and the youngest was 10. So the thing is, we can learn from each other. doesn't matter what the age we're and never, ever put age in the barrier. Okay. Thank thank you you so much guys. Until next time, folks, remember, listen, you've got a lot to learn from it. Bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show.